Hi fam, welcome to Catamania. In today's episode, I am joined by Erica de Pellegrin. Erica is a lawyer from Australia who moved to Dubai and is now a podcast host and an e-commerce business owner. I wanted to interview her because A, I really love her vibe, and B, I really love her approach to balance and the idea of balance in life. In fact, she has her own podcast called The Balance Theory, all about that, a holistic approach to a good life and personal development. In this episode, she shared some really great ideas on what balance really is in her understanding, which I personally really resonated with, and how to make sure that you feel well-balanced in life with your priorities and with activities, hobbies, and work. So without further ado, give it up for Erica de Pellegrin. I am wearing my warmest at-home sweater because we have a, like a wood stove at home that we put in wood to heat it up. It's like, it looks really beautiful and it heats it up really well. However, at night it runs out of wood because it burns through it. So in the morning when you wake up, it's extremely cold. So mm. I literally, as soon as I, I was going to wear like something a little bit, you know, more, I guess, official and formal. I was like, no, <laughs> nah, I have to wear like just the did. warmest, coziest stuff. The worst so. thing is like shivering on an episode because you're just like not yourself. Your energy is just going towards being warm. And it's like, I have like not a lot to give right now. So exactly. You chose the right jumper. Yeah. Thank you very much. And yeah. you are in Dubai. Yes. Y yes. You, I would presume, almost never get cold in Dubai. It's cold? Well, for Dubai, it's cold. So it's been like bring a jumper out at night. When the sun's up, it's beautiful. It's like uh, 26 degrees every day here. Um, but at night, mm. at the moment, this is the coldest point. Um, we went. We actually went out to the desert on Sunday, and when the sun goes down, it's a bit cold. It's fresh. I was surprised. I was like, I feel cheated, like having to wear winter stuff here. <laughs> but it's fine. I'm not complaining. It's like one month of the whole year. I was just gonna say it usually lasts not very long, right? The the cold snap. What you yeah, guys call yeah. cold cold snap compared to yeah, what we have like, in Canada. It's <laughs> like I've not I'm not even using a heater, and I haven't changed my duna, so my duvet. So that says enough <laughs> as to how cold it is. Amazing. So give me a little bit of background about yourself. Uh, how did you end up in Dubai, and where are you from, and what's your background? So I think off the back of COVID, just like a lot of people being in lockdown for a long period of time, especially in Australia. I mean, I know in Canada, you've told me as well, it was quite intense. It was the same thing in Australia. Um, just that feeling of disconnect and not being able to travel really put a lot of things into perspective. And I think also the, the rapidness as to how the world shut down made me think, if I, you know, if this happened again tomorrow, I just want to be able to do the things I want to do. So at the time I was working as a full-time lawyer, my fiance, he was a chiropractor and had his own business there. And, you know, so we were bubbling along working, working quite hard, kind of just had our heads down. And 
I think lockdown was one of those periods where you had a moment to resurface and be like, oh, what's the meaning of life? You know, like what's in, we had no distractions. You had the opportunity to reconsider a lot of relationships, the people that were important to you, you know, like without having to see them all the time, without that convenience, who did you actually make the effort to speak with? And so all these epiphanies and revelations, I guess, put us both in a place and we were like, I think we should move overseas. And it was honestly the quickest thing. My fiance came home one night and he was like, and I mean, granted, I had I had flagged it before. It's always something I wanted to do. But with him being in a physical job, I thought, I don't know how simple or if this is ever going to work. He came home and he said, do you want to move to Dubai? And mind you, I'd never been here. I heard great things. We had friends that lived here, like, you know, one or two friends that lived here that spoke very highly of it. And I just said, yes. I just thought, what the hell? Why not? Um, and then it was literally within three months, we sold his business. I quit my job. We packed everything up and just moved. Uh, and I think it's one of those things. I mean, you came on my podcast uh, last week and it's one of those things where if you think about it for too long, you start to arm and arm change and think of everything that can go wrong. Whereas in that moment, because it was like straight into action and it was just like, this is something really cool. I'd love to explore. Um, and when we had the, you know, financial flexibility to take a bit of time to move and, and work things out, we just thought, why not? We, we, before we have kids, um, we can just fend for ourselves and work it out. And if we hate it, we can come back. And the reality we've got now isn't so bad. So that's kind of what we did. And, you know, it's almost been a year now and not looking back at all. And Dubai was, did it just come out of the blue? Like, was it, you know, kind of like, you know, spinning the globe and pointing <laughs> to Dubai or was it, was it sort no, of just like because yeah. you've heard great things about it? It wasn't that randomized. We had a certain set of criteria that was like quite important for where we wanted to move. So the first one was that it needed to be English speaking. Um, the second one was we love the warm weather. And as you know, Dubai is warm, like 90% of the year it's got great weather. Uh, another one was we really wanted to use the opportunity to move out of Australia to be somewhere that was central and, and easy to travel around. Um, and the location of it is, is phenomenal. You're close to the Middle East, to India and Asia, close to Europe. And for us, even though it's a long flight back to Australia being 14 hours, it's only one flight. So really we know if we just get on one flight on the other side, we're back home. And then on top of that, it's a tax-free haven, which is also a huge uh, plus. You know, we thought we can get ahead moving over here for a couple of years. So it definitely ticked a lot of boxes. Um, I'd never been here before, as I said, so it was a bit of a we'll just see how it is. And in a city like this that's so new, it's changing so much, um, but it's but it's great. Look, I'm, I'm really surprised being here at how livable it is in the sense of it's it kind of just caters for everything. Like if you want to come here and have a very lavish lifestyle, which I think a lot of people associate with Dubai, you can absolutely mm -hmm. do that. But there are a lot of people here in that sort of middle level who are here just to better their career, to earn a lot of money and meet and, and create social networks. If you want to come here and have like a fit and healthy lifestyle, you know, there's, there's gyms and there's cafes and there's stuff for that. So it's really kind of you can make the experience what you want. And I like that it has all these dimensions beyond what you just see on, you know, the Netflix shows like Dubai Bling and what a lot of people would associate with Dubai. It's got a lot more depth. And I think in a, in a place where so many people from all around the world, it's so interesting. I mean, I could meet people who are here as marketers or teachers, but we all have that common ground of we just picked up and moved basically to the middle of the desert with no friends and family. It's not one of those places where you have a lot of people that you know 
really, and it's very transient. And so you have that as a baseline connection. So you just meet a lot of cool people and um, so far so good. That's what I find so interesting about it is something that you told me when, yeah, when I was on your podcast is that everyone is there kind of sort of for like a more or less a not common goal, but it's like a common background that everyone has in the sense that you're you, you're usually there without family or friends. So it's like this huge city of expats pretty much. Yeah, but you come in with you that same of, like foundation. Yeah. Something that you said about um, the – you know, it not all being about the lavish lifestyle. So you're telling me that it's not all, you know, that video, the sound from TikTok and Instagram. That Yalla, Habibi, like, come to Dubai. Yeah, Habibi, come <laughs> to Dubai. If you think money doesn't buy happiness. <laughs> so you can, you can actually find a lifestyle of, I guess, more, um, more in tune with like your health, your, yourself. Like it, it's, there's something for everyone is what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. And don't get me wrong. It is one of those cities that that touts the the luxuries of life. It definitely caters for that. And it has what I would say more of a focus on that than other cities, but it's not all it is. And that's what I've learned moving here. Like Mm -hmm. you don't, I mean, I certainly don't have a luxurious lifestyle and and I found my place here. I found my routine and it feels comfortable and it also feels like home. So, um, yeah, I, I, th- I think you can come here and make it what you want. Even as a tourist, you can really come here and, and make it what you want. And I think sometimes just viewing it as that, you know, uh, a very, very luxurious city, you kind of cut yourself short of, of seeing a lot of its other beauties. Another comment, and, and I feel like I get really defensive when people say this about Dubai too, they, a lot of family will say this to me, like, oh, I'm not really interested in going there because it doesn't really have much history and culture. And the one thing I have to say to that is if you could have visited Rome when it was 50 years old, how epic would that have been? Like this is the the most recent um, and newest rendition of a city, of a modern city that we have. And you can literally walk around and see so many incredible buildings. They've taken, I guess, inspiration from, from all around the world and, and plopped it all in one place. So I think that's such a unique aspect of it that people see as, as kind of a negative as well. Um, but yeah, I, I love it. I'm a big fan and, um, I'm still finding my feet here, but I think there's a lot more behind the glitz and the glamour that it's generally associated with. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. It's also just like a cool idea or not idea, but a cool thing to see of what human beings can do. And I've mentioned this before with someone who I had on my podcast who also lives in Dubai, actually. It's fascinating to me to see, like, if you put your mind to it, what human beings can achieve in such a short period of time. Because if you look at those pictures mm-hmm. of Dubai from like not that long ago, like the 50s, 40s and 50s, yeah. there's absolutely nothing there. Desert. Right? It's just Straight desert. desert and that's it. And now it's like this alive place. But anyways, not to, you know, uh, I'm just always really curious about, I obviously really love traveling and I also have this problem where like almost everywhere I go, I could totally see myself living there, which... <laughs> is good in a way but then also like and my husband's exact same way pretty much but we then come back to Canada and we're like oh like should we just like move there and then we go to the <laughs> next place and we're like oh should we just like move there you know so we like well, wait all I say is uh, don't don't come visit here unless you're you'd seriously be open to moving because you would definitely get that here <laughs> 
That's so interesting to me. I yeah, my my husband is very and I mean I'm the same way too. We're very much about like the ocean and tropical climate. So when I kind of you know, entertained the idea in front of him, like after talking to you about Dubai, because he's also a lawyer. And I was like, you know, I think there could be really great opportunities and the taxes is just, oh my gosh, I would love to live somewhere like Dubai. Cause I mentioned to you, we pay like obscene amounts of taxes in Canada. <laughs> and so he's like, yeah, but it's, it's, it's a desert. Like there's no, there's no humidity and you know, it's, it's true. But at the same time, like we're currently based in Canada where like nine months out of the year, it's pretty cold. And like for four months where we are, it's snowy and it's like straight up Siberia outside. So I'm like, that's also not really our vibe per se, but we've lived here, right? Because it's, you know, opportunities and all of that kind of stuff. But yeah, no, I, I like that. And I think a lot of, a lot of people and specifically women who, because most of my listeners are women they'll find it really inspiring to hear how you moved and how you made the decision to move. I think it is inspiring. You just, you you had the idea and you acted on it right away. Is that something that you normally do? Like, is that how you approach every big decision in your life? I'm going to say no. And I think I, I learned the hard way that that's probably the best way to do things. I think when you fall into a position, look, I think actually if we take all of that away, the very first thing is your why. If you have a really strong why and it's genuine, it's not like based off because, you know, you feel guilty or you have FOMO or, um, you know, you're coming from a place where you feel you're lacking abundance. If you have a genuine why as to why you want to do something, it's almost like when that opportunity presents itself, there's no choice. It's like, that's definitely what I'm doing. But I feel like when you're maybe not so clear or as connected to that why, you start to question, should I, shouldn't I? I think that also like that self-questioning is natural if you don't act on things straight away. So I had that experience when I started my podcast. I mean, the moment that, I, I mean, I was listening to Gary Vee with my fiance and Gary Vee said something along the lines of, if you've got the skill of communication, like you should use a platform like a podcast. And he paused it and he looked at me and he said, babe, you should start a podcast. And I didn't even listen to podcasts at the time. And I just felt this sense of calm wash over me. And that was like a moment where I was like, yep, I'm going to do it. But then I sat on it and I had this, well, I don't know enough about equipment. Well, I don't, you know, I've got to do all this research and know who I'm going to interview and get really like clear on what my message is and all this stuff. And it pushed it back for months, you know, like I was ready to go months before I started my podcast. So to answer your question, I haven't always acted on big decisions like that. But in hindsight, when I kind of reflect on like the move, for example, I see a lot of value, but I think it stems from having a strong enough connection with your why. So for us, we saw opportunity, we were craving something different um, and we were just ready for change in our life. So for us, it just felt organic. But what I would say is if you have a decision in front of you or some change, even if it feels daunting, like if it does feel aligned and your soul is like craving it, I think there's kind of no choice. I think you kind of know what to do, right? Even if it's scary. Usually it is, I find. And if it's not scary, it's usually something that's like me, you know, <laughs> I don't know how far I'll grow if I go that way, right? But if it scares you, it's like, ooh, maybe maybe we should do it. So I want to talk to you about you. You are a lawyer by trade, and you worked as a yes. lawyer in Australia. You were saying, yes. um, which is it, like it's 
it's funny to me because, you know, my husband's also a lawyer and I find that a lot of lawyers are very risk averse because, you know, you, before actually my husband went to law school, he was a lot more of like a risk taker, just go for it. Like, we're just going to go for it and then we're going to figure it out. After going to law school, because, you know, you're constantly trained to think like, okay, is this going to end up in a lawsuit? Like how this, how this could potentially turn against me? And then after he he finished law school, he became a lot more risk averse. Now he's kind of like, I would say more intelligently um, or more of an intelligent risk taker. You know, he definitely sure. takes risks, but more in an intelligent way, which it balanced it all out, right? So it's it's cool for me to see also that you seem to be kind of in a similar in a similar headspace and in a similar way, right? Like you moving is a risk, right? It's a huge risk. It might not work out. Sure. You might not like it, especially if you've never been there. But you went for it because you had a feeling, you had, you know, a sense that that's what you should be doing and you just went for it. So I love it. But tell me a little bit about, you know, your your career as a lawyer, how you decided to go down that path. And I know that you're very diversified when it comes to your career now. You have a podcast you also run an e-commerce business. So tell me a little bit about how that all kind of became a part of what you do. Mm, good question. Um, I guess I just fell into law as a byproduct of finishing school. It was, it's one of those things where I think socially you finish school, you go to uni, you get a job. That was how I was raised. That was kind of like, the path that was paved out for me, I did very well at school. And so it was kind of like, well, obviously you're going to uni, right? Like you're not going to get those marks. And if you want to then... be rich, you better be a lawyer or a doctor, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't know if, um, to be honest, just because of, I mean, I have a lot, I used to have a lot of limiting beliefs when it came to money. So I don't actually think I picked the career based off the financial gain. For me, it was more what's going to like, challenge me the most. I mean, like speaking and writing are skills I already have that are quite good, but I actually had applied for like media and international studies. And then I was like, I'll just put in law just in case I get the marks and I want to do it. And then I ended up just falling into it. So it wasn't like I was like, I'm going to, I'm born to be a lawyer. Like it's something I really want. I just thought it's a really good degree as a baseline for things to do, I suppose. And, and I was interested in like the way of thinking, right? But it's one of those things, it's so funny, I don't know if you can relate or other people listening can relate, but when you study something and then you do it in practice, it honestly blows my mind how different it is. Like, I don't know why these uni degrees are not more practical because honestly, Mm -hmm. like the theoretical stuff is great if you're going to go back to university and be a professor and teach other people again to think that way. Um, Or if you're like, I mean, in some like like drafting laws and stuff, it's relevant, but on what 90% of lawyers do, I would say, is is really practical stuff that you don't learn at uh, uni. So I guess when I started in law, I felt that mismatch between what I had learned and then the reality of what it was. And I guess that's kind of my own fault for not getting work experience while I was at uni. So that's something I definitely would recommend if you're studying marketing or business or law, whatever it is, like really try and get that experience while you're at uni so you can pair it with what you're studying uh, I, I had like other jobs. I was working in cafes. I was learning how to make coffee, you know, random, random jobs working as a PT. Um, so I guess when I started law, for me, I felt something was missing. Don't get me wrong. Like there were parts of the, the role I, I really enjoyed, but I've never been the kind of person that, 
that does well just kind of being put in a box. I always felt like a bit of a circle in a, in a square. Like I, I fit in there, but there was all these like gaps around and it, I was never really satisfied. Like I kind of was like, okay, I've gotten the hang of it. I'm going to move jobs now. Cause I felt like I hit the ceiling pretty quickly. Um, and I guess that's just my personality. It's got nothing against the profession. I work better with variety and, and a lot of like different things to work on. So I guess I have that entrepreneurial skill set. Whereas law is like you just hone in and you have those incredible skills and you do that like really well. Whereas for me, I'm like constantly being challenged and trying new things. So I was, I was in the profession, but I, I just started exploring and getting curious outside. So as I mentioned, I studied to be a PT while I was at law school and my girlfriend and I, we started these boot camps just for women in the community, um, just on the weekends. And it was a really fun, just passion project that, that we did. And I had this immediate comparison of how training a group of, even if it was five, six women on a Saturday morning earning nothing like 30, $40 for it. It was, it was nothing. It was more like, I feel so fulfilled, like seeing people move and empowering them to move and being a part of like their health versus how I feel when I leave an office. And I had that, wow. Okay. This is what people mean when they say they love what they do. That was just like a little bit of a, a teaser intro for me. Then when COVID hit, we were still running the boot camps. We obviously had to stop them. Uh, but my best friend and I, we just started running free workouts online. We got a lot of traction very quickly because it was just like right place, right time, right? Like everyone was looking for workouts at home. And then we decided to pivot into e-commerce. So the business is called ES Fit and uh, we have really nice quality fitness accessories. We felt there was like a gap between style and functionality. So we felt that whenever we bought stuff and we used to spend so much money on our active wear and then to get like really high quality, say resistance bands, they were always like black or fluoro. And I was like, this is just not a vibe. And then if you got like cute pink ones, they were just crap quality. So let's just do this properly. So that's kind of like the foundation of, of our line. And, and that's how that came about. Simultaneously, I felt very disconnected from people because it was lockdown and I was working at home on my own. Um, the role I was in at the time was very much like, it, well, there wasn't really much teamwork. I could manage caseload on my own type thing. So I just wanted to connect with people. Like I just wanted to talk to people. I wanted to just, yeah, have conversations that were outside of, you know, work. I just wanted to be inspired by other people's stories. And I had, that was when I had already thought about starting the podcast. So it was already in the back of my head and that kind of gave me the push to, to go deep into it. Um, and the podcast is all about kind of redefining life balance. So I had a lot going on and my mum would always say to me, like, you've got too much going on. You need to slow down. Like you need to stop this, stop that. And I just found it so interesting that her perspective of life balance was so removed and so far from what my reality of it was. Like I was thriving. I felt like, you know, I was definitely busy, but I just, everything felt like it was, it was in place. I was looking after my health. I had great relationships and then I was just, you know, dabbling in all these hobbies of mine. So that kind of spurred me on the quest to just have a conversation about life balance and, and move away from the discussion of it being work-life balance as the goal or the standard to people just working out what their own unique balance is. And, and still to this day, that's something I'm trying to do through the podcast um, and having a lot of fun with too, learning a lot about myself and the incredible guests like you that I've had on. So that's a, a very long answer, but that's kind of how the blended self came to be. 
No, I love it because, you know, you, again, you kind of just like went for it all, right? You, you had the idea, you had maybe like almost, you know, you were mentioning your e-commerce business. You saw a lack in an area or kind of like a problem in an area and you were like, hmm, I'm going to try to solve it by doing this. And then, you know, there's a bit of a misunderstanding of what balance is. I'm going to try to solve that too. I want to tap into that a little bit. So your podcast is called The Balance Theory. What does balance mean to you? And what what are your ideas around it? Good question. One of my favorite things to talk about. So balance to me is a changing concept. And I don't think there is a static answer. So there's no like it means work and life are 50-50. Or it means work and life are equal. Because that standard in and of itself for me just didn't fit like for me work and life were not separate I was I was doing things in my life that felt like work like the econ business and my podcast but they just made me feel so alive and it definitely wasn't a 50 50 split because if anyone has a nine to five that takes up most of your week so for me That's now right. when I talk when I talk about balance it's this new idea that I, I kind of sat down, right? And I was like, what are the important areas of our life? Like, I don't think half of it is work and then we shove everything else into life. I think that's so limiting, right? Like it, there's so much within that. So I broke it down and I thought, okay, health definitely deserves its own category. Our relationships are very, very crucial to what we achieve. And, and one thing I wanted to just say from before is the reason I had the I guess, energy to dive in and do all these things is because I had incredible support around me. I had my best friend who matched my energy with the business, my fiance who matched my energy with wanting to move overseas, like your support network is key. So the second area is all about relationships and that's your friendships, your love life, if, if applicable, and your family. And then the last area, before I launched, I changed it at the 11th hour. It was career, but then I changed it to fulfillment. Because I thought within fulfillment, you capture business owners, people who have careers, hobbies, uh, side hustles. If you're studying, you're volunteering, but even then single parents who they're not really work, may not be working in a career, but their fulfillment is raising another human, which is such an incredible responsibility. So they're the three areas. And at any given moment in your life, depending on your goals and what you want to achieve, your balance is going to need to shift between the three. The key thing, though, is that we can't neglect any area like completely at any given moment. So if you want to go, if you tell me, you know, Christina, that you just want to pump this podcast and this is everything, you want to put everything into it, you want to dedicate all your time to it, I'd say, great, go all in on the podcast, but don't forget about your health and your relationships. And so what we do is we get people to think about what are your non-negotiables in each of the areas. So when it comes to your health, and we break it down into physical and mental, we say, what are your non-negotiables? What do you need as a bare minimum for that area to feel fulfilled across a week, across a day, however you want to look at it? I'll give you an example for me right now. That means I do one meditation in the morning and I move my body for at least 30 minutes every day. They're my non-negotiables when it comes to my health. I have a few others with like, you know, how much water I drink, how much sleep I'm getting and the quality of food I have. But very simply, they're my non-negotiables. And you move to relationships and you do the same thing. And that could look something like I need two one-on-one -on -one nights with my husband or my fiance. I need one night with the girls and maybe check in on my parents once a week. You know, what's the bare minimum you need for that area of your life to feel fulfilled? 
And then the same thing, we go to fulfillment and you break it out into the areas there. So what you end up with is your unique balance. It says that at this moment in your life, these are your goals, but these are also the non-negotiables you need because ultimately if you neglect any area completely, it's a kind of one-way ticket to burnout. I think that we can be more productive. Even there's an irony in all of this, right? Like some people think that by taking time away from work, you're not getting there fast enough. Like you could be doing more. But in fact, I see it as reinvesting energy into ourselves through, you know, making sure we're having time for our relationships that give us so much goodness or investing time in our health that actually gives us the capacity and the mental, like, brain waves to achieve what we want to achieve that's all an investment which positively contributes to whatever your work goals are career goals business goals whatever so that's kind of the whole concept of balance like mine right now is very heavily grounded in the fulfillment area there are a lot of things i'm trying to do and trying to achieve but i'm also very clear and and i mean look one one thing that's dramatically changed is the relationship so i used to spend a lot of time with my friends and between seeing my family and my partner's family, I mean, we're Italian, there's a lot of family to go through. But, you know, across a week, that took up a lot of time. And, and I don't say that in a negative way, but being here in Dubai, it's physically not possible. So aside from like phone calls to check in with people, my balance in that area has changed, but it's also given me more time to do other things. But um, yeah, to me, it's just being very clear on your priorities and then making sure you know what the bare minimum is in each area so that you can kind of keep above ground while you work towards what you want to work towards. It's never about take things away and your goals are too big, your dreams are too big. It's these are your dreams. How do you make your balance work for it? Mm, I really like that. Would you recommend, you know, to our listeners then to maybe like sit down and write what your priorities and non-negotiables are and then work your way from that, like prioritize yes the balance in their in their life that way just figure out what are your main things that you need to have non-negotiables and then work your way down or up I guess yes yes absolutely I'll I'll share the exercise that I kind of take people through because I think it's it's all good and well to kind of talk about this stuff but to actually have a practical way to work it out is always like super useful so what I would do either on your phone or on a paper I'd have three columns I'd have your health your relationships and your fulfillment And I would just jot down for you to feel fulfilled in each of those areas across a week. What does that actually look like? So like I said, for example, in the health, it could be daily meditation, minimum three 30 minute walk a day, uh, meal prepping or cooking at home four out of the seven nights of the week, you know, really like get really granular on what that looks like. But don't forget, these are just the non-negotiables. It's not all this extra, you know, I'd love to try rock climbing and dancing there's a there's a separate list for that which I'll share in a moment but the first step is just the non-negotiables so you know especially when you're if you're someone who likes time blocking or really planning out your week these are the things that go in first then we have another list which I still count as a priority list so we've got two priority lists the first are the non-negotiables the second are just wants so they're not necessarily needs in the sense that if you didn't have them you know your week would fall apart or your balance would be all over the place They're just things that would put a bit of extra sparkle, give you that, you know, bit of extra energy throughout the week. So that could be maybe instead of just moving your body 30 times, 30 minutes a day, maybe you want to do like a daily walk as well to unwind at the end of the day. That would be great. Like that would be awesome if you could fit that in, but it's not a non-negotiable. 
Maybe it looks like an extra night with your girlfriends instead of just one night with your girlfriends. So then you start having this secondary list of things that contribute to your balance. They're not non-negotiables, but they would be really useful to have. And then you can start filling out your time with those sorts of things. The reason and then the one key takeaway from having the two lists is, you know, when you have those weeks and you just get so overwhelmed because you've committed to too much and, you know, maybe work's a bit crazy and you need to take things off your plate. What we do here, because we're very clear on our two lists, is we take away from the priorities that we've labeled as wants, not as non-negotiables, so that we know even if we're freeing up time, we're not impacting that base level of balance because our non-negotiables stay protected almost. And I also like using this as a really strong foundation for things like setting boundaries and being able to say no, because when you're clear on this, it kind of gives you that safety net of you knowing what you need. Um, but, I, but I think having the two lists is really useful, especially when you need to take things off your, off your plate, uh, knowing that you're kind of not interrupting that balance. Because sometimes we just have crazy weeks and we do need to recalibrate. But if we start eating into those non-negotiables, that's when we really feel disconnected from ourselves. Totally. And I like it because I feel like every decision that you make then is, you know, you, you look at your list and you're like, okay, does it fit into any of these categories or any of these unnegotiables? Yes or no. And yeah. then, like you said, boundaries. So many people have so many problems with boundaries. And tough. I find it very interesting. Well, especially like a lot of times it's your family with whom you need to establish these boundaries mm. and it's a tough, a tough thing or your friends, you know, but at the same time, I always say like if people don't respect your boundaries or what is there's a quote about that I think if if people don't respect your boundaries then those people are the ones for whom you need those boundaries the most mm-hmm. you know yeah so yeah, definitely. yeah I, I like that I like the concept you should be like a balance expert a balance coach <laughs> How to rebalance well, your life. Is, <laughs> well, coaching definitely is something I thought about. Expert is not something I ever want to claim because it's one thing I will say about all of this is it's a changing thing. So it's not only different between myself and Christina, it's different for me at different moments in my life. So in, you know, a couple of years, God willing, if, you know, I'm blessed to have children, my balance is going to look completely different. And you know, and, and five, 10 years ago when I was studying at uni, it looked completely different. So what I what I always say as well is you, you have this standard and it's your ideal and you, you're very clear on this list, but bring a, a level of self-awareness to it because at times things will change and maybe like, I'll give you a good example, like this week I've been very overwhelmed because I've had a lot of interviews. Um, I'm also like just in a bit of a transition myself. And so what I've found, and this is really weird, but like it's almost like I can't handle weight training at the moment, which is normally my preference of, of movement. It's like, it's too much for my body to handle. So I've had to downgrade or well not downgrade. I've just had to go for an alternative, more lower impact movement, which has been just like a Matt Pilates flow. And so I think it's great to have these ideals, but bring a level of self-awareness knowing that sometimes balance needs something different from you every day. And you just need to be very mindful and, and in tune with yourself, especially as like, things might phase out too. You may no longer enjoy X person's company or that class or whatever it is. Do you know what I mean? So it's um, you can only be an expert at, at, at the present moment in time because you just need to be open to, to it kind of changing and flowing as, as your life goes on. Um, 
but yeah, that's, that's kind of my take on it. And it's been working for me. And, and a lot of people really love the flexibility that the concept gives them because one of the biggest things, and, and I guess when you talk about like you have, you have these own problems and that kind of kicks you to, to start or create something. One of the things I've found is without this clarity, I constantly felt guilty for how I was or wasn't spending my time. I always felt oh, I should be doing more here. Or, I really shouldn't be spending that much time on my podcast. Like I should be spending more time with my mom or, you know, I really should be. There was all these shoulds and all this guilt. But when I kind of undertook this, I was like, I'm actually going to own my own time and my own balance. And it felt really empowering and good to just be like, well, I actually know that this is what I need. And as someone who really struggled to say no, I, I mean, I would almost classify myself as a, as a people pleaser a couple years ago. Setting those boundaries was really tough for me. Um, and I always looked at those people who could just like have no bullshit faces and be like, look, I can't do this. Like I'm not doing it. And I was like, oh, how do they do that? Like I'm just feel so consumed by guilt. But when I got clear on this, I was like, you know what? When I realized that saying, you know, yes to people that I wanted to say no to, was actually saying no to myself, everything changed. And I was like, well, I know what I'm protecting now. And, and it just became a different game. Mm, totally. I agree with you. It's very empowering. And I think almost like confidence, a confidence builder when you say no, when you mean to say no. And when you say mm -hmm. yes, when you mean to say no, it just crushes you. Like you you know, you inevitably fill yourself up with a bunch of resentment, a bunch of resentment as if you can measure how much resentment you have, but it is like, it is a lot of resentment that you a handful of it, with. a handful of it. Exactly. And it just feels, it doesn't feel good. I agree with you. Well, Erica, this was so nice. Um, I did want to mention just something about the workout because so many of my followers always ask me questions about like, well, you know, how do I find time to work out? How do I, I, I keep wanting to do it, but it's just, you know, I, I, I'm not really, I'm not really finding time or I'm not really finding mm -hmm. the motivation. And I always say that like, if it's your priority, I think you will find the time. So you mentioned something about, for example, health as being non-negotiable. That's something that I put on my list as well a long time ago. And part of the health is working out. And no matter what I do, no matter where I am, I'm going to work out. I'm going to move my body. And that's just it. Like if I'm traveling, it doesn't matter. I will move my body. I will find, you know, 20 minutes, half hour, 45 minutes because it's my number one priority. Like it's, it's a non-negotiable, you know? And then I get like a pushback from a lot of people saying, well, you don't have kids, so you don't know how it is. And I'm like, you're right. I don't have kids and I don't know how it is, but I have known women who have had three to four kids and they find the time because again, it's on, it's on their priority. They, they somehow manage to just figure it out and they move their body, whether it's at home, whether it's going to the gym, no matter what, but they just do it, you know? So I think it's, it's a very empowering thing, you know? And I think to our dear listeners, it's important to, I think, sit down and really get clear on your, what your priorities are and then go from there. So thank you for Absolutely. sharing that. I really appreciate it. How no, can people find <laughs> you and communicate or work with you or listen to your podcast? Absolutely. Uh, I'm pretty active on socials. I mean, that's how you and I met. So that's definitely the easiest way to reach out on TikTok and Instagram. The podcast handle is the balance theory podcast. My personal Instagram is tagged in the podcast bio. So you can just find me from there. 
Um, but yeah, otherwise our website is thebalancerypodcast.com too if you want more information. But all the links are in the bio so you don't have to remember everything. Um, but it's been so nice coming on your show, sitting in the guest seat, getting, you know, taking, having another conversation, even though the tech gods were against us for a few weeks, we made it. <laughs> but um, thank you so much for having me. This was lovely. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to Catamania. If you like this episode and if you like my podcast, it would mean the world to me if you gave it five stars or thumbs up, depending on whatever platform you're listening to it on. And come say hi to me on Instagram with the handle being Christina Cataman, C-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-C-A-T-A-M-A-N. Or if you follow and subscribe Catamania on Instagram and YouTube. Thanks again and stay blessed.